the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as The Tom Sumner Program for this uh, Friday kickoff, the 4th of July weekend edition of The Tom Sumner Program. And uh, we've been um, shining the spotlight on entertainment and booze so far <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna shift gears but maybe only slightly as we uh, talk about a new book that um, looks at how an egotistical buffoon with no talent becomes the darling political celebrity of his country the book is called zero the author is called al schnupp and he joins me by phone hi al welcome to the show thank you hi um now this this book zero um is uh, what what gave you the idea to write this is this ripped from the headlines well yes <laughs> but it actually began 20 years ago um and that's when i got inspired i looked at all the political shenanigans and bizarreness uh and uh, other aspects, and so I wrote a play, and uh, and about ten years later, we produced the play uh, at Cal Poly uh, State uh, Polytechnic State University, and it was pretty much a hit. In fact, we got invited to uh, perform the play at the regional convention, so that happened. And then fast forward ten more years, and I decided to write it into a piece of prose to make it more uh, accessible to the general public. Now, the original play was, was what, called Zero to Infinity? Zero to Infinity, yes. Uh-huh. 
And how similar are are the two projects? Uh, uh, did you really just sort of readapt the the same story, basically? Yeah, it was pretty much taking the same story, using the dialogue, and then adding in uh, the connections and the background stories uh, and a lot of description. But it's it's a fairly short uh, read. It's it's a novella. Uh, but I sure had a fun time doing this. And I don't name real people. This is completely fabricated uh, with fantastical characters uh, in a bizarre setting. Uh, so I, I can't be called out for uh, naming any any true person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people can kind of fill in the blanks on their own, but it is but it is considered a uh, a satire of tabloid politics. Absolutely, yes. And and what I, I guess why why tackle that when there are you know rom coms to be written? <laughs> <laughs> I have been politically interested uh, all of my life, and and I wanted to sort of dissect the process of what does it take to become president of a country. Now, in this case, the president is the icon and the country is Grode. So how do you become icon of Grode? And I only came up with about uh, six or seven strategies and then tried to blow them up and, and use lots of satire and bizarreness, manufactured words, uh, weird, kinky uh, situations. Uh, and so it begins, he, he needs to have money. Number one, you cannot become a major politician without money. So that was the starting point. Uh, and his wife and convinces him to commit a crime in order to get his hands on money, making it possible for him to run for office. Right. So we had to <laughs> have a lady in the and actually zero, who is the lead character, is a zero in every way. Uh, uh, but he drives a muck truck for his paw. Now, paw zero is extremely rich because he has porta potties, a huge porta potty business. So they have to devise a way to get paw zero's money uh, transferred to zero. So that's step one. You have to have money. And so she comes up with a plan uh, as to how to <laughs> inherit the money. Uh, that probably Zero would never get because Paul Zero absolutely despises his son Zero. <laughs> and and you talk about in 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 this you um, talk about fundraising, cover ups, debates, makeovers, scams, um, the usual political stuff, right? Exactly. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, step two was he has to make uh, connections and get endorsements. And so you go to big business, big energy, big transportation, and you promise them an even bigger monopoly. Uh, you pass the laws to benefit them if they vote for you. So that that's his second, uh, because his campaign manager is a brilliant uh, strategist. So he's, he's the uh, engine driving the machine that gets, this whole campaign going, and, and ultimately, maybe successful, maybe not. 
Okay. Is this um? Is it is it all satire? Is it all tongue in cheek, or have you accidentally inserted some profundity? <laughs> Well, I certainly hope people make connections. I think they have already to to real life situations, to uh, <laughs> to, to politicians uh, currently and in the past. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm certainly not just skirting around the issue, but I don't I don't want to. Um, Sort of tell people what to think. I, I want them to make their own connections and just enjoy the fable and the absurdity uh, and the craziness of of these characters. Uh, because uh, between Zero and and uh, his wife Maxie, who is indeed large and and quite clever, uh, and would re- actually prefer to be uh, the icon as opposed to her husband. Uh, so, um, no, I, yeah, I, I think you'll make uh, references. I hope so. But, yeah, that's, it, it, it's not so much to slam any particular people or party or level of government service. It's, it, it, it really just pokes fun at, at the people and the process generally. Yes, exactly, Tom. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I make up my own parties. It's the sickle party, the screwser party, the crowbar party. Uh, and then factions or groups within this country are the zealots, the hysterics, the fanatics. But I, I never name uh, a contemporary uh, group or political party uh, or, as I said, politician. Uh, I, I, I wanted to stay away from from getting too... Oh, uh, too severe, I suppose. You know, it's it's interesting because you wrote this story more than a decade ago, and during this la- last decade, we've really experienced a greater amount of, of division in this country than I can remember in my lifetime. I mean, there have always been differing points of view, but but never with the kind of vitriol that we've seen. Um, as as somebody who has satired the process, um, do you agree with the with the adage that that truth is stranger than fiction? Oh yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, there were times I would, before I would turn on my television for the morning news, I would say, what is going to happen today? And then I would hear and i go, really? Who would have thought that could happen today? <laughs> so, yes, uh, truth, truth is so surprising and unpredictable. Uh, and even at times becomes predictable because it's unpredictable. <laughs> Now the um, the the play version um, was selected to be performed at the Kennedy at the Kennedy Center American College Theater, which is, I would think, kind of an honor as well. Well, it, yes, it's the Kennedy Center College Theater Festival, and we went to the uh, regional festival in Utah and performed. Oh, okay. It. Yeah, uh, and then from there they select one. 
uh, from each region to go to the Kennedy Center uh, in in Washington D.C. But that's still but that's still uh, pretty impressive. Um, I did I didn't mention um, that you're a retired faculty member of the theater and dance department of uh, California Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo. And uh, you studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York, and you hold a doctorate from uh, UCLA. Um, and and yet, with all that advanced training, you could still write a story about American politics. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you meaning I had to sort of backpedal and then? <laughs> yes. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, um, no. I I, have, I actually have a, a a point to make about another work that you did, Goods and Effects, mm-hmm. which takes a much more serious look at someone's metamorphosis. And I want to talk about that a little bit, um, and and sort of contrast these two things because one is is clear is purely satire. The other one's a little deeper. Yes, yeah, they couldn't be more different. Yeah, in tone, uh, style, uh, plot, yeah, they're extremely different. And and I want to talk about that, but I but I also want to make sure uh, uh, that we have time to talk about both stories, really. Um, and I have to take a break here in about two minutes, so I don't want to get too deep into anything. Um my my guest is, uh, as I mentioned, um, been in uh, the theater arts for a number of years, and he has uh, two works that we're talking about today, Zero, which is a body satire of tabloid politics, and Goods and Effects, which is what happens when a free-thinking widow raised in a deeply religious environment is forced to create a new life. And it's uh, a uh, like I said, it's it's a much different metamorphosis, um, but you are uh, retired from California Polytechnic. That's true. Yes, and uh, as I was approaching retirement, I said I, I sort of need a project to bridge, uh, you know, working daily to being retired, uh, some kind of transition or a project. And I went to my files and found Goods and Effects, which I had written as a screenplay, and again, 20 years ago. And it's it, for me, I found it really interesting to look back and see what was I thinking 20 years ago, how was I writing, um, and how much remained and how much dropped off, you know, in, the, in that 20-year time gap. Uh, so that was uh, my transition project, yeah. Well, uh, we're going to talk some more about uh, your transition project and transitions in general when we return. But first, we're going to let our broadcast partners at WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint Uh, share a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And uh, then we will return. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We uh, continue our conversation with the author of uh, the book Zero, a body satire of uh, tabloid politics by Al Schnupp, who joins me by phone. Al, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no, no. I'm enjoying this. You're making it easy. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just before the break, um, I didn't want to run out of time before we talked about this, because you've had a chance to go back and and pull uh, a play and a screenplay and turn those into books. When you do that, when you go back a decade or two and pull out a script, you mentioned that, that it was kind of fun to, to sort of picture what you were thinking at that time. But does, but does your retirement now give you the time to look at those things and say, you know, nah, I've done this a long time now. I can, I can do this a lot better. Oh, boy, that's for the critics to say. Um, <laughs> but in your but in your own mind, Al, you know, did you look at it and think, you know, I could improve on this. I could make this, a, you know, I could make this a book. Oh, oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I realized that my training in theater and and writing plays really affected how I came, how I approached prose. Because I tend to really focus on dialogue more than description. And I do my best to lead the reader somewhere with uh, subtext or implied meaning and then let the reader finish the thought or the sentence. So uh, the, the prevalence of dialogue. And the other thing is, as I wrote this, I said every scene or chapter or section I want to see a character make a decision because to me that's dramatic. So again, it's the drama coming over into into the prose. So I really tried to work on uh, what will Hannah, the lead character, decide and do in this scene? Uh, how will she change in this scene? Um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a process of self discovery. Um, and looking at your past, or at least in my case, looking at my past. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, these things are, are heavy on dialogue because they started out as a play and a screenplay. Um, but I, I would think that with all the time that you spent uh, designing productions and... and um, the two years you spent as scenic designer at Wichita State University Summer Theater, that you would have, that you would be thinking a lot about the visuals. Oh, that's, I, I love that connection. Uh, I, I hope so. I, and uh, in goods and effects, I really tried to work on the visuals of farm life and the things that you hear uh, and see on the farm and in the countryside, um, working on quilts and how that sort of becomes a an image throughout uh, the play. And I had a fun time with uh, Hannah. Uh, I may I may be jumping ahead here. She loses her uh, husband and and sons in in an accident, a farm accident. 
And she and, and this uh, is from the book Goods and Effects. Goods and Effects, yes. And after they are buried on the farm on the hillside, she returns to the farm and cannot enter the house. Um, and so she decides to spend the night in the barn. And this is speaking to visuals. And she looks over, and here is a 1955 International Harvester Metro van. Now, these are wonderful-looking vans with the, <laughs> the, the pug nose and uh, the just bizarre, beautiful vehicles. And she looks at it because they had inherited that from her husband's uh, uh, uncle and decides, I'm going to create a home in the van and a store in the van and travel around the countryside and sell my wares. Um, and basically uh, doesn't enter the house for a while. She hires some workers to come and bring out all the furniture, uh, and she adapts this van uh, into a store and living quarters. Uh, so that was fun. I, I, we're talking about visuals. It was fun to visualize what do you do with furniture from the house to create it into shelves and cubby holes uh, and and a bathroom in in your van. Yeah, how do you, how do you put a house into a van? <laughs> um, when do these uh, did or or do these books drop, as they say? Uh, they dropped on May twenty ninth. Okay, uh, so a few months ago. And uh, they're available on Amazon, or uh, I don't know if I should say that. Or oh, sure, no, absolutely. <laughs> or Barnes and Noble, yeah, yeah, online. Uh, uh, just, just the title and my name, and you'll it, it should pop up. Yeah, I'm really grateful to my my publishers, uh, uh, Betsy uh, Delmonico from um, from Golden Antelope Press, was so helpful and thorough and specific and the fact because of her input I wrote three new no five new scenes um, so to have a really good editor who cares about the work who's willing to challenge you uh, is so important as a writer and and I'm just so grateful and and the same is true for Bix Scahill who, who was who published uh, uh, zero uh, that that outside opinion is really critical, and one has to sort of set aside his or her ego and say, it's a perspective, it's worthy of hearing, uh, and how can I uh, meet meet that expectation? Do plays for theatrical or or screen production go through the same kinds of editing and revisions that? It does when you write a book, even a even a novella. I would say yes, but that happens with the actors. Uh, you get the input uh, from the actors and the scenic designer, and perhaps the costume designer. Um, and oh boy, that is a fun, vital, energizing time when you have a script and you say it's not set. Let's play. Let's improvise. Uh, that that's a great a great moment uh, in rehearsing an original play. Well, that's one of the fun things about that particular way of storytelling. You have a story, 
but then whether it's for film or the stage there is the process of how do we how do we bring this story to life mm. Mm. yes <laughs> yeah and what it what, what makes a book have life you know I, I don't know I you know what's the answer what makes a book have life well, I don't know. Do you have the bug now? Are are, are we going to see more books from you, Al? At the moment, no. Uh, that's at the moment. I think I need to work on, and I'm so grateful that, that you're giving me a hearing, I need to work on sort of getting the word out uh, right now. Um, I have read different numbers but that up to 3000 books a day are published in this country that's a bunch <laughs> that and 99% are self self published but that's a huge amount of books and to to have your work somehow rise to the surface or get recognition or get reviewed uh is a full-time job <laughs> okay so that's my job at the moment uh, well that of course there's there's uh the famous lily tomlin quote she said there's a reason they call it show business um, <laughs> but um and and the same is true with the book business and and i've talked to a number of uh authors some some debut authors and some that have had you know many new york times bestsellers and there's um there is a, a business component to it um but i'm i'm always curious about the um the creative process and and what goes on in putting a book together but i'm also once you get to the to the business part of it writing is a very solitary thing usually and and I just wonder, do you enjoy interacting? And have you had a chance to get feedback from people who have, you know, read one or the other books and and made comments to you about them? What kind of response are you getting from people? And do you enjoy enjoy that kind of interaction? I I do, uh, and and uh, it's it's fun to see reviews come in and to. Um, see the different takes that people have uh it, the feedback has been really quite lovely and um yeah it's sort of the final step in the process because you're right writing is a very lonely craft or it requires aloneness yeah and and now it's about getting the reverberation the feedback from those who read it and um it really has been helpful. I would say um, people have really enjoyed the journey of Hannah, and they also say, and it's a bit too short. It should be a bit longer. We want more. <laughs> okay. Um, to which I say, yeah, I, I, I hear you, and, and maybe that's better though than saying, it was too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the better. You always leave them wanting more. Um, but, you know, I always ask writers who, who have gotten involved in a series if they get to the end of the first book and think, but wait, there's more. And I just had this thought flashing through my mind of Hannah goes to Hawaii. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what made me think of that, Al, but it just popped in there. Oh, oh, that's, too, that's good. That's good. 
because she in the book she uh, she has started her rounds and she does circuits and uh, in the middle of a uh, the first season in the middle of a snowstorm she gets stuck in a ditch okay and she is trying to rock her van back and forth and shovel the snow out from under the wheel wells and nothing is happening and somebody drives by and she's certain it's deacon stall who is just a prick shall we say <laughs> and then a, a farmer comes by pulling a manure spreader and he backs up and hooks up the manure spreader rather than you know taking the manure spreader off and just hooking the tractor to the van he hooks the van to the manure spreader <laughs> so anyway <laughs> he's pulling her out the rotors begin to spin and throw up manure on the windshield so here's the upshot she turns around goes to the interstate and goes to florida okay <laughs> <laughs> that's where she's going to spend her winter and that's where she will spend her winters uh for the next series of years so when you say hawaii <laughs> that just tickles me because <laughs> the florida <laughs> oh that's funny now we talked about um early on when we first started talking we talked about the two different books that you have zero which is uh, a satire and then goods and effects which is a little little different it's it's kind of a mature coming of age story and it um they're two very different things and what that made me wonder is um as a writer if you start contemplating you know future uh stories to tell is there anything that's off limits? <sighs> for me as a writer or for a writer in general? Well, and or. Okay. Well, I, I think there are some things that are off limits to me or that other writers shouldn't. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, all about diversity and inclusion and, and, you know, a celebration of the arts. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't quite know if this is true or not. But I don't think anybody should make a joke about cancer unless they had cancer. Um, I, there are certain things that are just, you just maybe shouldn't broach. But at the same time, I so believe in pub, free public, you know, and you speak your mind, a free speech. Um, and if you tackle something and you really screw, screw up, uh, I guess it'll, it'll come back to you. But um, I'm not really answering the question. I would say things are off-limit and they're not off-limit. It's that grayness. Ah. Or, or is there... Um, and and is it ever too soon? Huh. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I think there are times that that are too soon. Um, mm -hmm. You know, after you know, after some horrendous event like the um, uh, like September 11th. Mm -hmm. You know, to to make any kind of light. Um, of that tragedy uh, before people have had a chance to to really grasp it and heal. Uh, 
I, you know, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's possible to be too soon on something. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you have to respect the dignity of, of people who have suffered or gone through trauma, you know, gone through trauma. Uh, yeah, yeah, it can be too soon. Yeah. Interesting. Um, now, you've got to tell me about the improvisational game book Bravo. Oh, that's a thing that has sort of come, come and, and gone. Uh, one of the classes I did teach at Cal Poly was improvisational theater. And, and it's a book of basically different categories and cards. So you pick up maybe a location, a vocation, and a character trait. And then your partner does the same, uh, that you will share the same location, but you will have a different profession and a different character trait. Uh, and and you just say go begin, and usually the situation uh, is a setup for a conflict because conflict I think drives drives drama and interest and spark. Um, so that was published oh years ago. Uh, it, it's a game book, just cards and the. Get two people together and some people around you uh, and take turns playing two-person scenes. Um, and and I, there's some pretty, pretty, quirky, uh, pretty quirky situations in there. <laughs> okay. For example, I think of one, um, you are roommates and your roommate has a gun collection and you want your roommate to get rid of the guns and the roommate says, no, go. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I also wanted to mention um, that you wrote a play called Censored and a, a full-length adult puppet show um, called The Stone Circle. Yes, I co-wrote The Stone Circle with Michael Malkin uh, when he was a teacher here at Cal Poly. Uh, he retired uh, before I did. So we wrote that together. Uh I designed it, he directed it, and then uh, he and the cast took it to the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, and, and performed it there as well. Um, so that was, that. the Stone Circle was a metaphorical ride through history, um, and... Uh, Censored is about the real-life artist Katie Kollwitz. Uh, she is a German artist, well, so revered in Germany. Uh, there are a number of museums uh, dedicated to her. Uh, and she was a, uh, an activist, uh, fought the Nazi party, became known as a degenerate artist, uh, but was a real champion for the, for the poor and socialized medicine and um, diversity. Just an amazing woman. Uh, I, her son was killed in World War I. Then in World War II, her grandson was killed. Mm -hmm. So she became a devout pacifist uh, and just is a beloved uh, artist uh, in Germany. Is, so, is there anything in theater arts that you've always wanted to do and haven't mm -hmm. experimented with at all yet 
What I would love to do, okay, one of my dreams is to take Zero to Infinity, the play. And can I pick my ideal cast? And boy, Bette Midler would be Maxie. Oh, of course. And Nathan Lane would be <laughs> Nathan Lane would be Zero. <laughs> and then uh, we didn't talk about Inspector Oodles, but he's a major character uh, who who puts on disguises and accents to un- try and uncover the truth. But my Inspector Oodles would be Alan Cumming. <laughs> okay, so. Oh God, that's funny. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I was thinking Steve Martin for Oodles. But oh, terrific! Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. Hey, um, I, I can't believe how fast the time has gone, Al. I I really have enjoyed uh, getting a chance to get to know you a little bit and talk about these two books. Um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do, yes. It's, it's of course, one word, playsanddesigns.com. So I have a lot of my work uh, all there on the website, uh, my plays, which you can download for free, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and other uh, information about me and, and uh, the things I try to do. Yeah, plays and designs. Hey, you may want you may want to reconsider that uh, giving plays, you know, letting people download plays for free in case you decide you want to turn some more of them into books. <laughs> <laughs> That's an option. Yes. <laughs> okay. Al, thanks, hmm. thanks so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed it so much, Tom. Thank and, you. And good luck with the books. Thank you. Take care. Again, that was uh, Al Schnupp. He um, is a retired faculty member of the Theater and Dance Department of California Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo. He studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York City and holds a doctorate from UCLA. He has uh, two books currently, Zero and Goods and Effects. And... uh, We're going to have uh, more of the Tom Sumner program. We've got one more segment in this uh, pre-holiday weekend edition of the Tom Sumner program. We're going to let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And uh, also want to mention that uh, we'll actually be celebrating the 4th on the 5th on the Tom Sumner program, the show If the Fourth Had Fallen on a Weekday that I would have done for July 4th um, will be aired Monday, July 5th, and uh, some pretty interesting stuff. And it's not it's it's not a remake or, or a repeat or an encore. It's uh, uh, brand new interviews and uh, stuff that, that sort of fits into the theme of uh, Independence Day. So tune in for that. And next Wednesday, um, Jan Worth Nelson will be joining our political roundtable for armchair politics for our first face-to-face version since before the hey. pandemic. <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. 
and now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them, in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. 
get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is your Hollywood reporter, Don Hinckley, at the premiere of what is probably the most talked about motion picture of all time, the story of the great love between the handsome Roman general and the Egyptian queen. We're hoping to interview the beautiful star of this epic. And, oh, I, I, I think we're in luck. Yes, yes. We are in luck. Here comes that great beauty now. Excuse me, would you like to say hello to your millions of fans? My name, Jose Jimenez. <laughs> hello to your millions of fans. <laughs> of course, uh, everyone here knows the name of your picture, but I'm sure you'd like to mention it again. The name of my picture is Digit Goes Egyptian. <laughs> I always thought the uh, title of the picture was Cleopatra. Oh, no, no, no. Cleopatra is the name of our coming attraction. <laughs> coming attraction? That's right. Well, that picture cost $40 million. That's nothing. I was cost $100,000. Well, that's not so much. For a ticket? <laughs> you, do you mean that you're charging $100,000 for one ticket? Why, that's I couldn't right. afford to see that picture. Would you like a free pass? <laughs> yes, I would. That'll be $10,000. How much did the picture actually cost to make? Including lunches. Why, why should lunches be so expensive? Do you know what it costs to smuggle corned beef into Egypt? I guess costumes uh, must have cost you a fortune. Oh, costumes, my goodness. They... Costumes alone cost $50 million. I imagine uh, Cleopatra's costume was the most expensive. No, there we saved money. <laughs> Eight yards of saran wrap and some beads was all, uh, all didn't, we needed for that. Didn't they uh, try to save money at all? Yes, we tried to save money at all. For example, one time we had this thing, you know, that was going on in a beautiful alabaster hall. And we had 30,000 dancing girls running around. And we had 20,000 musician people playing golden harps. And we had 40,000 slave girls pouring wine. Well, how did that save money? We used paper cups. <laughs> uh... That must have been the famous orgy scene? No, that was the famous coffee break. That's fantastic. Yeah, we swung on a set. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I gotta tell you one thing, that the picture has a surprised ending, so nobody will be seated during the last five hours. Well, it's obviously a very long movie, but uh, yes. do you plan to have intermissions? Yes, one intermission, Wednesday. <laughs> You guys can take Wednesday off. You mean the show lasts a whole week? Yes, if you see the cartoon. Cartoon? Yes, Ben-Hur. <laughs> Mick 
Mickey Mouse plays Ben and Minnie plays her. <laughs> exactly how long have you been uh, working on this picture? Well, quite a while, because we had a delay one time. We had a lay off on account of the noise. What noise? World War II. <laughs> we had those tiger tanks going there. We were straight. It was really terrible, and then it was these guys with the pointed helmets. Jose. <laughs> Maybe it was World War One, huh? <laughs> Sir, let's talk about your co-star's salary. I understand it's an astronomical figure. She certainly has. <laughs> I, you I, noticed that, yeah, huh? I'm talking about I'm her salary. I'm glad to see her observe. Oh, yeah, her salary. Yes. Yes, yeah. Well, you talk about what you want to talk about, and I'll talk about what I want. I understand that she makes $8,000 a day. Now, that's more than most people isn't make in a some, year. Isn't that something? $8,000 a day. Yeah, it's a lot of money, sure. but is she really happy? Boy, is she happy. <laughs> <laughs> you never heard such giggling in your life. It comes from that girl on payday, and you can hear it all the way across the street. But, Jose, yes. money doesn't buy happiness. No, but for $8,000 a day, you could rent it. Now that you've mentioned your beautiful co-star, I wonder if you'd answer the question the whole world is asking. I would be delighted to, as long as they don't ask it at once. Let them ask you one at a time. Let's start with India, if you like. Right. There's a lot of people over there. The question is... Yes. Are you going to marry your co-star? I will have to say it this time and you can quote me on this and I don't care if you quote me word for word and even verbatim. <laughs> I will marry the woman I love. You will? I always do. <laughs> I don't know what I could tell you about how much I love her. I would climb the top of the highest mountain. I would crawl on my little valley across all of the desert and the hot desert, and I would go across the most ragging rivers for her. When will you see her next? Tonight, if it doesn't rain. <laughs> Listen, you know, I got my good toga on. I don't want to spoil Jose, what would you say was your biggest problem in the picture? I would say my biggest problem in the picture was the asp. The uh, asp? Yes. You mean the snake? Yes, the snake asp, yes. <laughs> you see, that is snake. How to come around and hug Cleopatra real tight and coil around her and come up and bite her right on the neck, you see? And it was my job to teach that asp how to do that. So, so, so what's wrong with that? He got it right the first time. I told him nobody likes a smart asp. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Sumner 
Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Hey, that wraps it up for this uh, kickoff to the uh, 4th of July weekend, this Friday edition of the Tom Sumner Program. I want to say thanks to all of my guests on today's show, this last hour, with uh, the author of Goods and Effects and Zero, uh, retired faculty member of the Theater and Dance Department of California Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo, Al Schnupp and uh, fun conversation with Al and before that a uh, <laughs> we talked with world traveler and noted drinks writer Andre Darlington author of the new book booze cruise a tour of the world's essential mixed drinks and uh, and and maybe that's a, a good opportunity to remind people to be careful if you're traveling this weekend and celebrating. For a lot of people, it's a different kind of Independence Day as we uh, are kind of wrapping things up from the pandemic and, and starting to get out and, and get more back to normal. I also want to say thanks to my uh, guest during the first hour this morning. Uh, author Eve Golden has written numerous uh, books about theater and uh, and film uh, biographies primarily including the one about Jane Mansfield she was on the show back in March talking about that but her new book that we talked about today Anna Held and the birth of Ziegfeld's Broadway by Eve Golden anyway thanks to all of them and as I mentioned a little earlier we're gonna have a uh, 4th of July edition of the Tom Sumner program but not on Sunday on the actual 4th we're gonna celebrate the 4th on the 5th coming up uh, Monday and I'm going to talk with uh, uh, Seth David Radwell uh, about his book American Schism and then uh, Michael Farquhar about more bad days in history and an encore with Dennis Kucinich talking about his book Division of Light and Power talking about uh, Oh, uh, political corruption. Anyway, uh, that wraps it up for uh, for the weekend. I'll be back Monday with our 4th of July edition. But uh, now it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. So, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.